Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Indicting a former president of the United States. Paying hush money to a porn star, some type of alleged affair. I can't speak to that. Greatest witch hunt. President Xi Jinping to the Russian capital. How it may impact the world order. Fanning the flames of chaos. The recent bank failures. Silicon Valley Bank. Our banking system is sound. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. The banking system is sound and so is our president. We've got uh, plenty of stories we're going to get to, including the uh, potential of a Donald Trump arrest. I don't think so, but we'll get to that in a second. WITN and other outlets are reporting late this morning the Pitt County Sheriff's Office told people in the Windsor subdivision which is just outside of Greenville, just south of Greenville, on the wonderful side of Greenville, to shelter in place. In a Facebook post Monday afternoon, they asked anyone on Buckingham Drive to shelter in place and anyone outside that area to avoid it. Public Information Officer Sergeant Lee Darnell said that the person is in a home near the cul-de-sac at the end of Buckingham Drive. Deputies were working to take into custody a wanted person that they say is barricaded inside the home. It turned out that person is a murder suspect out of Florida, Claude Brooks Jr. He was arrested after deputies with the SWAT team went into the home. Deputies cleared the first and second floors of the home before finding Brooks in the attic. <laughs> Did the guy really think, well, if I hide in the attic, they won't find me? It was reported the deputies had to use gas munitions during the standoff. I actually talked to someone who lived nearby there, and he could hear the gas munitions being fired. The sheriff said no one was injured taking Brooks into custody. Sheriff Paula Dant said that Brooks was actually on the FBI's most wanted list and was wanted for ch- a child murder in Florida. Dant said that it's her understanding that the home is an Airbnb rental. According to the sheriff, deputies got information in the last few weeks that Brooks was in Pitt County. Dan said that Brooks had been behind bars in Pitt, counties a few, uh, Pitt County a few weeks ago, but had provided a fake name and bonded out before they learned who he really was. The sheriff said that after they contacted the U.S. Marshals Service to help relocate Brooks, Dan said that Brooks is facing a possible possession of firearm, by a felon charge and a charge for giving fictitious information to law enforcement. Um, WTSB and Tampa Bay reported back in 2021, February of 2021, this is from their report in February of 2021, a 33-year-old man wanted by Hillsborough County deputies is accused of first-degree murder for the 2019 death of a young child. Investigators, according to Sheriff Chad Cronister, have been working for more than a year to figure out who might be at fault. A family member found the child, who is not named in a news release, unresponsive inside the home on December uh, December 30th, 2019. The child later died at the hospital. At first, there was no indication of foul play, the sheriff said in a statement, but investigators now believe Claude Brooks is responsible for the child's death following several interviews, collecting forensic evidence, and reviewing autopsy results that showed the child was seriously injured. Detectives have been working on that case for more than a year, determined to uncover the real reason why an innocent child died. 
Chronister said in the release, at the time of the call, deputies did not find any indication of foul play, but after further investigation, detectives obtained enough evidence to charge Brooks with first-degree murder while engaged in aggressive child abuse. So a very, uh, well, the story out of Windsor had a happy ending. The bad guy was caught and no one was hurt. But uh, that Airbnb is going to have a little bit of a uh, <laughs> smell and smoky, uh, a smoky uh, tinge to it, I'll say, after uh, the gas canisters were let loose in the house, all I'm saying. Uh, so the big news over the weekend was Donald Trump tweeting that uh, he was going to be arrested. Here's his tweet from Donald Trump over the weekend. The radical left anarchists have stolen our presidential election and with it the heart of our country. American patriots are being arrested and held in captivity like animals. While criminals and leftist thugs are allowed to roam the streets, killing and burning with no retribution. Millions are flooding through our open borders, many from prisons and mental institutions. Crime and inflation are destroying our very way of life. Now, illegal leaks from a corporate and highly political Manhattan District Attorney's Office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by George Soros, indicate that with no crime being able to be proven, and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors, fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former President of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week, that would be tomorrow, protest take, protest, take our nation back. Um, and in the last uh, 24 hours or so, I've had a number of people ask me, what do I think will happen to Donald Trump? Will be he arrested on Tuesday? And uh, my answer has been no, and it's still no. Why? Because, one, first of all, the Manhattan District Attorney, a guy by the name of Alan Alvin Bragg, has already expressed doubts about this case against Trump. Merrick Garland has said there was no there there. They didn't pursue it. This is the same thing, almost identical, except when Jonathan Edwards, John Edwards' case uh, it was much more blatant because he actually took money out of his campaign uh, dollars to pay off uh, his affair, to have a hush-hush on his affair and cover up his love child. No charges there against John Edwards. Uh, but the biggest thing, and I just said this off the top of my head as soon as I heard it, I said the statute of limitations has got to be expired, and it has been. Uh, the statutes of limitations, if this was a charge of a misdemeanor, which most people say at best it's a misdemeanor, would be two years, and the statute of limitations expired. Uh, five years for a felony. Well, this happened seven years ago. Uh, but the biggest thing also, well, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing, but the other thing is, what, what is the crime? I mean, listen, yes, there was, if, if there was, and I say if, I, mean, I don't know, has Donald Trump ever admitted to it that there was a, an illicit affair? Yes, there is moral failure if there was an affair. It's called adultery. But paying somebody to keep silent about it is not a crime. I, I mean, it, it, it's a moral, 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 a moral failure. Say that ten times. But listen, if there's any cr criminal activity involved in this, it would have been done by Stormy Daniels. It's called extortion. 
That is, if it didn't happen, and Stormy Daniels has gone to Donald Trump and say, hey, you know what? I've got a picture of you and me together. I mean, that's, that hasn't been photoshopped. I mean, that, that happened. And uh, you know what? I, uh, unless you pay me some money, I might uh, go to the press with this. I mean, it's curious that it happened shortly after he announced that he was going to run for the presidency. And uh, she's saying, you know, unless, unless you uh, pay me off, uh, I'm, I'm going to go take this story to the press. Well, if, if that was the case, that was the only crime that was committed. It's called extortion. If you don't give me money, I'll say we had a tryst. Interestingly, today, the Trump campaign walked the statement back that he would be arrested tomorrow by noting they have not received any confirmation on if he's going to be indicted. Trump has called for his supporters to protest to voice their opposition to the possibility. Now, this out today, The Hill is reporting that Robert Costello, a one-time legal advisor to former Trump attorney Michael Cohen, was to appear earlier today before the New York grand jury investigating Donald Trump over his alleged involvement with hush money payment. The New York Times reported that people with knowledge of the matter said that Costello will testify before the grand jury discrediting Michael Cohen's credibility. Reach for comment, the district attorney's office declined to confirm whether Costello will be appearing before a grand jury and declined to comment on Trump's claims that he will be arrested tomorrow. I, the other thing is, at this point, I think that even if the Manhattan district attorney had planned to have Trump arrested tomorrow, I don't think he's going to do it now based upon the fact that uh, at, at this point, he's been outed. The district attorney has been outed. Uh, this is making a lot of news, not only in conservative circles, but also in the mainstream media. I don't think they'll do it. And, I mean, the other thing, too, is if they did it, if they arrested Trump, he will get off. And once he gets off, they've basically given this guy a lot of publicity, given Trump a lot of publicity. And at the end of the day, he's going to be the hero. So you, you got to, I mean, in, in a strange way, you got to ask a question that is, is, I mean, this is bizarre, and I'm not the first person to say this, but is this actually giving Trump some uh, needed publicity? I mean, will, will there be enough people out there that look at this and saying, we have a two-tier justice system, this is not fair, uh, and, and those two statements are pretty accurate. If they if they go after Trump on this, it's it's really really accurate that we have a two tier justice system. Um, will it elevate Donald Trump? And I think it very well might. Jonathan Turley had a piece out called "America's Got Trump," getting ready for a truly man made for TV pro pro prosecution. I think this explains it better than anything I've read. Let me share it with you. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is expected to unveil an indictment of former President Trump. Trump announced that he expects to be arrested on Tuesday. It would be a fitting curtain raiser for a case that has been developed more like a television production than a criminal prosecution. The New York case would be easily dismissed outside of a jurisdiction like New York where Bragg can count on highly motivated judges and jurors. Although it may be politically popular, the case is legally pathetic. Bragg is struggling to twist state laws to effectively prosecute a federal case long ago rejected by the Justice Department against Trump over his payment of hush money to Stormy Daniels. In 2018, Jonathan Turley wrote, 
how difficult such a federal case would be under existing election laws. Now, six years later, the same theory may be shoehorned into a state claim. It is extremely difficult to show that paying money to cover up an embarrassing affair was done for election purposes as opposed to an array of obvious other reasons. Like, I don't want to embarrass my wife if this came out. I don't want to be, I don't want to have a pan hit over my head by my wife. That was demonstrated by the failed federal prosecution of former presidential candidate John Edwards on a much stronger case of using campaign funds to cover up the affair. Trump reportedly paid Daniels $130,000 in the fall of 2016 to cut off or at least reduce any public scandal. The Southern District of New York's U.S. Attorney's Office had no love laws for Trump, pursuing him and his associates in a myriad of investigations, but ultimately rejected a prosecution based on the election law violations. It was not alone. The Federal Election Commission chair also expressed doubts about the theory. Prosecutors working under Bragg's predecessor of Cyrus Vance Jr. also reportedly rejected the viability of using a New York law to effectively charge a federal offense. More importantly, Bragg himself previously expressed doubts about the case, effectively shut it, shutting it down soon after he took office. The two lead prosecutors, Kerry Dune and Mark Pomerantz, resigned in protest. Pomerantz launched a very public campaign against Bragg's decision, including commenting on a still-pending investigation. He made it clear that Trump was guilty in his mind, even though his former office was still undecided and the grand jury investigation was ongoing. Pomerantz then did something that shocked many of us as highly unprofessional and improper. Over Bragg's objection that he was undermining any possible prosecution, Pomerantz published a book detailing the case against an individual who was not charged, let alone convicted. I mean, you got to ask yourself, it, it, that's certainly improper. Is it illegal? I mean, this guy was working under Bragg, and he, he, he write, and, and Trump was never charged. And he writes a book detailing it, why he should have been charged. He was, of course, an instant success, speaking of Pomerantz, in the eyes of the media who have spent years highlighting a dozen different criminal theories that were never charged against Trump. Pomerantz followed the time-tested combination for success, linked Trump to any alleged crime, and convey absolute certainty of guilt. And the campaign worked. Bragg caved. However, Bragg has still got to get beyond a series of glaring problems which could raise serious appellate challenges later. While we still do not know the specific state charges in the anticipated indictment, the most discussed would, uh, would fall under Section 175 for falsifying business records based on the claim that Trump used legal expenses to conceal the alleged hush payments that were supposedly used to violate federal election laws. While some legal experts have insisted such concealment is clearly a criminal matter that must be charged, they were, uh, they were incredibly silent when Hillary Clinton faced a not dissimilar campaign finance allegation. Last year, the Federal Election Commission fined the Clinton campaign for funding the Steele dossier as a legal expense, yet there was no hue and cry for this type of prosecution in Washington or New York. A Section 175 charge would normally be a misdemeanor. The only way to convert it to a Class E felony requires a showing that the intent to defraud includes an intent to commit another crime or to aid or conceal the commission thereof. 
that the that other crime would appear to be the federal election violations, which the Justice Department previously declined to charge. The linkage to a federal offense is critical for another reason. Bragg's office ran out of time to prosecute this misdemeanor years ago. The statute of limitations, as I said, is two years for a misdemeanor. If it's a felony charge, it would be five years. This happened seven years ago. Uh, that, again, that's Jonathan Turley explaining why this whole thing is a uh, sham, is a charade. But um, nonetheless, uh, it, it, um, <laughs> it's making the news. I don't think anything's going to happen tomorrow. I think it, 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 at this point... Uh, I, I think Bragg has been so exposed that if he does this, he is going to lose all credibility. Not, not that progressives worry about the kind of thing. I think this time it's uh, over the top. Now, I'm, I'm wrong about plenty of things. Who knows? He might be arrested tomorrow. My hunch is no. We've got to take a time out. When we get back, Ron DeSantis responded. We'll have his response when we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome to March the 20th. It is Act Happy Day. So no matter how miserable you are, no matter how much of a low life you are, act happy. Don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Speaking of low lives, there you go. Um, it also happens to be 12 days from April Fool's Day. Maybe there's a connection there. Uh, it's also 20 days to Easter, in case you're keeping track. That's hard to believe. I mean, it feels like Christmas was a week ago. And now we've got uh, three weeks from yesterday is Easter Sunday. Taking a look at your weather forecast, it is going to be cold tonight. Tonight is going to be the cold the cold night of, uh, maybe this is the last cold freeze we will have, because by the time we get to the end of the week, we will be in the 80s. A few passing clouds, a low of 27 tonight. Tomorrow, sunshine with a high of 64. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy. The low tomorrow night is only 41. Wednesday, a slight chance of a shower, a high of 68 degrees. And the low on Wednesday night is uh, 53 for the low. So Wednesday night's low and Thursday night's low would be compared to what the high temperatures were late last week. All in all, I am not going to complain. Bring on 80 degrees. I was talking to somebody. I will not complain about the heat this summer. I'll just go into the air conditioning. That's all. So uh, as we were talking during the first segment, Donald Trump, the uh, idea that he is going to be arrested, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I could be wrong. I'm wrong about plenty of things. I'm just throwing out my, uh, my thoughts on it. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis gave his, thought, his thoughts today to the news that Trump could be indicted by uh, Alvin Bragg, the uh, Manhattan District Attorney, on uh, Tuesday for possible, well, it's possible for the payments he gave to uh, Stormy Daniels as hush money. So here's what uh, Governor Ron DeSantis had to say. Cut the one. Manhattan District Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor, and so... He, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up, 
and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. These Soros district attorneys are a menace to society. Bingo. DeSantis was really sharp and really smart. I mean, up to today, he hadn't really mentioned this. And you got to realize that this is this is is a weaponization of uh, the criminal justice system. Very unjust. But what's interesting about this is, and a lot of other uh, candidates, potential candidates for the presidency, for the Republican nomination, have already come out and spoken on this, and really came to Trump's defense. DeSantis came to the defense of the judicial system, of, of a, an equitable judicial system. Uh, he was smart. He, he took an opportunity to stand up for what was right, although he really didn't talk about Donald Trump. In fact, the only thing he even infer, inferred to Donald Trump was he didn't know a whole lot about being arrested for paying hush money to a porn star. But he also came out and pretty much said that liberal politics in liberal states mean citizens of those states are not safe. Unlike Florida. And uh, I listen, I, I mean, I just think politically he handled that as about as as well as you could possibly handle it without uh, trying to make Donald, I mean, Donald Trump could very well be the victim in this. But as he said, the real victim in these George Soros DAs are the citizens. Now, this guy, Alvin Bragg, is looking the other way. When it comes to carjackings, when it comes to rapes, when it comes to robbery, when it comes to thuggery, when it comes to even murder. He's perfectly willing to look the other way. And let's just ignore any of those things. Let's not give him any jail time for those things. But when it comes to Donald Trump, we're going to go after him. I, and I, I'd have to re-listen to it, but I don't think Ron DeSantis ever mentioned the name Trump in his comments. But, I mean, this is a banana republic. This is absolutely a banana republic kind of operation where you're going to go after your political opponents by vilifying them, arresting them. I mean, this this would you would expect out of Venezuela, not the United States, not even in Manhattan. And it is um, it is something that Americans need to uh, protest 
at the next election. And, and by the way, remember that Donald Trump, in what he put out, he said uh, for the Americans to go out and protest what is happening. There have been a number of conservatives that have come out today and said, uh, protest, but be careful what you say, where you go, and where you protest. Donald Trump, one individual pointed out the fact that the last time Donald, and listen, he said peaceful protest. I'm not, I'm, I'm not insinuating that Donald Trump caused the January 6th riots. I think those definitely were plants by progressives that wanted to make conservatives, wanted to make MAGA Republicans look like they were trying to overthrow the government. I'm just saying, and, and I would agree with those people who say, if, if you're going to protest, be careful. But here's the other thing. Protest at the ballot box. House Republican leaders Jim Jordan and James Comer dispatched a letter to Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, demanding information related to the woke DA's case against Trump. Quote, you're reportedly about to engage in an unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority the indictment of a former president of the United States and current declared candidate for that office. This indictment comes after years of your office searching for a bias, any bias, on which to bring charges, ultimately setting a novel legal theory untested anywhere in the country and one that the federal authorities declined to pursue. If these reports are accurate, your actions will erode confidence in the even-handed application of justice and unalterably interfere in the course of the 2024 presidential election. It didn't stop them last time. In light of these serious consequences of your actions, we expect that you will testify about what plainly appears to be a politically motivated prosecutorial decision. Your decision to pursue such a politically motivated prosecution while adopting progressive criminal justice policies that allow career criminals to run the streets of Manhattan requires congressional scrutiny about how public safety funds appro uh, uh, appropriated by Congress are implemented by local law enforcement agencies. Listen, the idea that he will come and testify without the carrot of saying, we're going to defund your office if you don't, that's the only reason he will come. Otherwise, uh, this guy, uh, Alvin Bragg, would just shoot the bird at Jim Jordan and James Comer. Specifically, lawmakers are demanding that Bragg and his office turn over, one, all documents and communications between or among the New York County District Attorney Office and the U.S. Department of Justice, its component entities, and other federal enforcement agencies referring or relating to your office's investigation of Trump, two, all documents and communications sent or received by former employees of Kerry Doon and Mark uh, Pomerantz referring or relating to Donald Trump, and three, all documents and communications referring or relating to the New York County, uh, New York County District Attorney's Office receipt and use of federal funds. Um, I, again, right now we have a the, the source progressive DA is basically doing all they can to ignore any conservative demands. Uh, these these demands are going to have to come with uh, what if. <laughs> it's like my dad used to tell me when I was, uh, you know, driving the family nuts. He said, listen, son, you don't have to obey me. I can't make you obey me, but I can make you wish you had. <laughs> I think that's what Jim Jordan and uh, Comer need to uh, remember. You, you, you can't make them, but you can make them wish they had.
Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. Lots more to come. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So here is the supposed director and head of investment banking technology strategic programs at Credit Suisse. Now, you know Credit Suisse has gone down the tubes just like the SVB bank went down the tubes, just like Signature Bank went down the tubes. Right now, Credit Suisse is being held up by a couple of other banks, uh, European banks, and uh, which, but otherwise they'd be gone. So uh, this is cut to Clark. He, she, it, whatever pronoun this individual wants, it is a 250-pound biological male dressed up as a blonde-haired co-ed talking about his authenticity. I think as an LGBTQI leader, I think some of the things that's really helped me on my own journey is, you know, A, being really proud of who I am, you know, really owning my authenticity, because I think people relate and correlate to you so much better when they know you're being totally genuine, sincere and honest. I think also, you know, having had certain amounts of adversity on your own journey, I think that inbuilds into you a fair amount of sort of extra resilience, which then really helps empower your own sort of leadership skills. <laughs> Leadership skills for what? Uh, leadership skills to dress up as a woman when you're a man. Nothing says genuine, sincere, and honest like a 250-pound man looking you in the eye and saying, I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah, that's that's genuine, sincere, and honest. Authenticity was the word he used, I believe. He's authentic. Unauthentic what? <laughs> you're a man dressed up as a woman. And you're telling us how authentic you are. Uh, oh, my gosh. We wonder why these organizations, I mean, these banks. I mean, there's certain issues in life that are just black and white. They're, they're numbers. the dollars and cents. I mean, they have nothing to do with political correctness. Two plus two equals four. I don't care if you're a transgender, a biological male, a biological female, a heterosexual, homosexual. Two plus two equals four. And yet, uh, no, that's not important. Two plus, that's not important. What's important is, how do you address two plus two? Is it he, she, or it? Whew! A federal judge blocked the Biden administration from implementing environmental regulations redefining how water sources are protected. You know, this is really interesting because... This happened under Obama, and now the Biden administration is bringing it back. I mean, this is so frustrating. You've got to revisit this crap over and over again. I mean, under the, Biden, uh, under the Obama administration, remember, they wanted any, any puddle that happens to form on your land, that if that puddle somehow trickled into a stream, and that stream trickled into a river, and that river trickled into a bay, and that bay trickled into a sound, and that sound trickled into the ocean, guess what? The federal government owns your land, controls your land. That puddle got into the stream, and therefore we can tell you what to do. In his decision published late Sunday night, Judge Jeffrey Brown ruled that the so-called Waters of the United States... WOTUS, 
That rule announced by the Environmental Protection Agency in late December poses irreparable harm, irreparable harm, to residents of Texas and Idaho, the two states that challenged the regulation in the lawsuit filed on January the 18th. Brown declined to issue a nationwide injunction, but noted 25 other states have challenged the rule in two separate ongoing lawsuits. While I continue to battle the rule in court, this preliminary injunction is a major blow to the Biden administration's radical environmental agenda, Texas, General, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson said in a statement on Monday. The unlawful rule would have saddled Texans across the state with crushing new regulations, slowing our state's economic development, and limiting our job growth. And this is how the progressives always act. I mean, they, they, they try to find some loophole that doesn't need congressional that they think doesn't need congressional approval. Oh, we're we're empowered to do this. We're empowered to control your land because we're the EPA. Thank you, Judge Brown. By the way, uh, Joe Biden. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but you know he was he was actually now being questioned. I, I can't remember who the reporter was, but as he's getting ready to get on Marine One, the helicopter, a uh, reporter said. Well, What's this about uh, you and your family receiving money from China? To which Joe Biden had a stupid look on his face, which is not hard to do. Uh, he denied any knowledge of his son's foreign dealing. And, I mean, basically, what, what, foreign, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about that. Listen, <laughs> there's the laptop, there are bank records, and there are more people coming forward. And what does Joe say? I don't know. No, I don't know anything about that. Listen. Uh, again, quoting Jonathan Turley, it is clear that money has been received by the Biden family members. And, and listen, Jonathan Turley is not a conservative Trump supporter. He's a constitutionalist. He's a person that observes and reports the truth. I mean, kudos to the guy. What is clear is that money has been received by the Biden family members from China and other foreign interests. However, the White House has continued to refuse to answer questions on these details. By the way... There is now, uh, there was a brouhaha today in the press room that Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre was directed pretty forcefully and asked pretty directly, listen, the president won't answer our questions. They basically tell us to shut up and go away. And apparently there was a chorus of reporters that chimed in and said, yeah, what's going on here? He doesn't answer questions. When he does, you know, I just, I just lies have worked up to now and just keep lying. Uh, Turley goes on to say, what is also clear is that the Bidens ran one of the most lucrative and blatant influence peddling operations in history. Influence peddling is the favorite form of corruption in Washington, but the Biden family is truly in a class to itself. Unless there is that evil twin Biden family that continues to undermine the first family. I mean, that's the, that, this is the conclusion that Jonathan Turley has come to. If you're going to believe Biden, then you've got to believe there's an evil Biden family. There's Joe and Hunter and Jill. They're the good Biden family. But there's this evil twin that's lurking around in Washington, D.C. You can't make it up. Hey, stay with us. We'll be right back. Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7.
A number of media outlets are reporting police have arrested a pair of California sex offenders over the weekend after they allegedly admitted to raping an underage girl. It's, um, they actually not only did that, but the evidence is pretty clear. They recorded it on the video phone. Uh, and they admitted to it. Happened in El Cajon, California. Larry Cantrell, 34, and Michael Inman, 70, are accused of raping a girl believed to be between 13 and 16. This happened in a local Motel 6. But what is so infuriating about it, both men were placed into housing by People Assisting the Homeless, or PATH, a homeless service provider in San Diego. This is there to help illegal immigrants get housing. But these two individuals, who are not illegal immigrants, somehow managed to get a hold of a voucher and apparently this is what they're doing. This is, their, this is, I guess it's for illegals and also homeless people. So they get the voucher. They go in and uh, end up using it as a, a pad to commit rape. And they videoed it and they, they admitted it. In fact, one of them said, oh, yeah, we've done this a number of times. Yeah, and these programs that act like, you know, we want to be so empathetic and sympathetic and understanding and caring. And, and, you ha and listen, I understand there's, there's a place for charity. I'm not, I'm not knocking benevolence. I'm not knocking charity. I'm not knocking a kind heart. But this idea that we're going to do it for everybody and anybody, and everybody is good. If we just give them a handout, everybody is good. No, there are people out there that are evil. There are people out there that are looking to take you for a ride. There are people out there that say, this is my opportunity to rape a child. And the consequences, listen, if there's a George Soros DA in San Diego, these people will get off with a little slap on the wrist. It is so frustrating to see these naive idiots opening up the borders, saying, come on in, we'll give you whatever you want. We just need to be kind-hearted. Town Hall's reporting over the weekend, the Mexican military has seized a number of assets belonging to an American company, Vulcan Materials. The seizure of a U.S. company, Marine Terminal, in Mexico has drawn criticism from a U.S. senator and risks sparking more tension between the two nations. Bloomberg reports... U.S. construction firm Vulcan Materials alleged that armed forces, including the Mexican government, launched a takeover of its facilities in the country's southeast on Tuesday. The company says a federal judge in Mexico has ordered a stay on any government effort to confiscate the property. The move prompted national security experts to sound the alarm, calling the situation insane. Former Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe also weighing in, noting Biden's continued weakness on the world stage. Last week, Mexican President uh, Obrador lashed out after Republicans called for additional tools to use military force against Mexican cartels. You know, right now, the United States appears to be the patsy of the world, ripe for plucking. Thanks for nothing, Joe. I mean, listen, say what you like. But I don't care who you are. If, if you have not had your head in the sand or up your rear end, 
and, and not observed the four years of Donald Trump, and now we're got two years to go of Joe, and not seen the stark difference, the stark difference in the weaponization of agencies, in the weaponization of our judicial system, in the weaponization of our law enforcement. If you cannot see the inflation, if you cannot see how... Remember what they said about Donald Trump? Remember what Joe said when he came into office. Now our allies... We can reestablish our ties with our allies and our enemies will respect us. What a joke. Our friends don't even respect us. I mean, think back to Donald Trump when we had a wall at the border, when we had the remain in Mexico, when Donald Trump said, listen, if you want to continue to receive the finances we've been sharing with you, you will do this, and they did it. And now... With Joe in there, it is a total joke. I, you have to ask yourself. Now, again, I don't think Joe has got a lick of sense. I think he's running on empty. But there are people within the Biden administration. I mean, this is Obama 2.0. But the idea that uh, they're not doing this with the purpose of destroying this country, that, that is the bottom line. They want a one-world government. And right now, if you have a powerful United States of America, uh, a United States of America that is financially sound, that is military sound, they're doing everything to erode that, from our military to our economy to our morals, everything to erode that. You need to get on your knees and pray that the Lord will restore this country, that we would have another great revival, another great awakening. Because apart from that, I don't have a whole lot of hope. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>